Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest. Counting backwards from 100, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A podcast that never needs cheering up after a rough day. He only goes to Ace Hardware stores that serve popcorn. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I'm your Medicare expert, Doug Jones, as my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, must have just told you. I'm pretty sure he just told you that. And we are here to make you feel comfortable with the concept of Medicare and uh, all of its permutations and uh, quirks and little oddities uh, some of those we'll address and some we ignore because not everybody has to deal with those so why do we even discuss this situation well i wrote a book a few years ago and i updated every year the book is called medicare for the lazy man 2022 that's a current edition that's out. And uh, if you want to know about Medicare, if you're faced with the prospect of uh, having to make the transition to Medicare, either because your 65th birthday is approaching or because you're uh, contemplating retirement from your job and giving up your group health insurance, then you can go to either barnesandnoble.com or to amazon.com. And you can purchase the very attractively priced current edition of Medicare for the Lazy Man. And that current price varies depending on what you get. You can get a hardcover book, which is fairly pricey, but it's suitable for giving to friends and relatives that may be approaching their Medicare decision process. So that would make you like a hero because they would be in the same boat as everybody else, a little concerned, worried about having to make the right decisions, uh, uh, worried about making mistakes, worried about doing the wrong thing. So you can help somebody feel pretty good about their approaching encounter with Medicare by giving them a gift. And what better gift than a hardcover edition of Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022, because that hardcover edition is going to last forever. The other editions uh, are somewhat more reasonably priced. The uh, paperback edition costs $8.00. The Kindle version that you can order for your for downloading into your Kindle or your reading device is less than $4, and your uh, Audible version, should you want to hear me actually read the book to you, is going to be uh, in the neighborhood of $6. So there's no reason that somebody with just a couple of shekels in their pocket can't avail themselves of Medicare information that is going to make them experts on Medicare. It takes a very short time to read. It's easy to understand. And I know I'm getting 
comments from people, book buyers and readers uh, all the time that tell me how happy they are with the results of the book. They don't always hire me to be their agent, but they always express appreciation for what I've written in the book to make Medicare easier to understand. And I often uh, then refer to my podcast engineer and uh, close personal friend, Randy Carson, uh, when I don't think I'm getting enough uh, positive reinforcement, he always steps in with a few kind words. Got any kind words today, Randy? I do. Lay them on me. You're looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You look like look. You've got your looks like you've got a collegiate sweater on, or is that a sweatshirt? <laughs> Actually, it's a sweatshirt. A friend of mine is in the business of providing uh, premiums to uh, employers, companies. And, uh, you know, for their uh, promotion of their uh, activities to potential customers. And so this company, it's a a landscaping company in West Chicago, Illinois. And uh, they ordered a ton of sweatshirts and they all came in and he didn't want this bright yellow that I'm wearing. So now all of my, all of the people that are friends of this guy have at least two of these sweatshirts. (laughs) (laughs) It it looks like it's. To me, at least on this end, it looks like it's cream colored. I'm going to turn around so you can see the back. It's very busy. Oh, my God. Western DuPage. Is DuPage a county? Yes, it's a county in Illinois. And uh, the town of West Chicago happens to be in DuPage County. And so they um, uh, this uh, landscaping company ordered all these sweatshirts and they came in. You know, it's it is a bright, brighter yellow. It's not really cream. Uh, Okay. Loses something in the Zoom uh, translation. So anyway, (laughs) I saw the guy wearing one of these one time and I said, you know, that's a really loud sweatshirt and it's got all that (laughs) writing on the back. That's a really serious sweatshirt there, buddy. (laughs) But I said, it looks so goddamn warm. I can't, uh, you know, I can't take my eyes off. And he said, hey, I've got a stack of them in my closet. I'll give you one. So I've had it ever since. And it's it is warm. So what what were they meant to be used for, for customer premiums or what? I don't know. I never asked. It's got the name of the business on it. Maybe he handed them out to his uh, his workers, but I think landscaping is kind of dirty work. You wouldn't want to have a light-colored uh, sweatshirt. No. I don't know what color he really ordered, but it, it was something close to this, I guess. And, and so I'm guessing you would give them to your customers. Well, yeah, I guess so. And then they go, well, I really like your service, but do I have to wear this freaking <laughs> yes. yellow shirt? Put it on. Put it on now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't like your landscaping that much. <laughs> this is actually a cheerier conversation than we were having right before this podcast recording started. We were analyzing the pros and cons of various methods of execution. And, yes. Uh, we decided that uh, I thought the guillotine might be a good solution to all these people that are whining about the suffering of uh, murderers that are put to death. And uh, so I said, well, how about the guillotine? Let's bring that back. And then Randy explained to me why that might not be a good idea. And so we decided that uh, they should keep using the um, lethal injection, but change it. You had a method of uh, of uh, improving the lethal injection uh, process so that the people being killed would not feel as much uh suffocation and you're not sharing that with me randy's are drifted off to sleep i'm i'm well you know i agree with it i i think that you know 
guillotines they uh as as i was telling doug they they were around for centuries but people eventually i decided i guess decided they were just way too brutal but uh, ultimately i think as doug was saying we could come up with a better concept for uh, you know executions uh, it doesn't seem that um, chemicals work all that well they're a little bit they're a little bit iffy because it it depends on people that are non medical people to find veins and arteries and such things and they they always and if the and if the you know the executee is you know four thousand pounds it's almost impossible to find them so well you were mentioning you mentioned nitrogen narcosis as being yeah uh, that's that's one that people are thinking about now is uh, those of you who are skin divers uh nitrogen narcosis otherwise uh, known as the bends yeah, when you get nitrogen, you know, when you're going through it, eventually, uh, you know, you just fall asleep. When you've got all nitrogen and no oxygen, you just fall asleep very peacefully. And then that's that's kind of the end of the story. But uh, they're they're working on nitrogen narcosis because a lot of the pharmaceutical companies uh, don't want their drugs to be used for lethal injection. And they're refusing to sell them to the states for that purpose. So. You know, it is what it is, but I, I think we'll obviously somebody's going to come up with a better idea. We always do, right, Doug? Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. That kind of <laughs> leads into our subject for today. It started out, I started uh, tripping over this subject um, because I was being appraised of the fact that certain Medicare Advantage plans have network problems and they're losing or having to go out and seek new doctors because uh, contract negotiations are falling apart in some cases. And it occurred to me, I don't know why this is, and I don't really have an answer for it, but it occurred to me that we're hearing most frequently from the uh, blues of Texas and the blues of Oklahoma in their, in regard to their network problems and their affiliated doctors uh, uh, breaking their agreements and so forth. So We've mentioned some bad things, and so then good news for those in uh, the uh, Medicare Advantage plans in uh, Oklahoma that have the Blue Cross Blue Shield Medicare Advantage plans. There's a, a company of doctors and hospitals called Integris, the Integris Medical Group, and they have now renegotiated and they have reached an agreement with the Oklahoma Blues. They're going to stay in the Blue Cross Blue Shield networks in Oklahoma, at least for some other period of time. So that was one um, uh, upheaval that uh, has been avoided, at least for now. But it points out the fact that if you've got a Medicare Advantage plan and you have to use the providers that the plan has contracted with, then and and that's the tr- case with all Medicare Advantage plans, they're all either HMOs or PPOs, then you have a problem if some of the doctors that you would like to go to uh, have their uh, contract or their contractual relationship with the insurance company is disrupted, you've got to go out and find new doctors. And as Randy and I have told you before, that if you don't do it right away, then they assign a doctor to you, uh, some bean counter uh, with a, a shade, an eye shade on, will just randomly select a doctor now why is that because with hmo plans there's a thing called capitation the government gives money to the plan the plan turns around and gives money to whatever doctor you have as your uh your primary care physician uh 
Uh, that's capitation for you, and HMOs do it that way. They will pay the doctor every month until you change to a different doctor, or until you die, I suppose. But that's tax money going straight from the federal government to your doctor, and the original premise of an HMO was that that doctor was being paid to see you. He would see you anytime it was necessary without a problem, without an argument, without a delay, and he would fix you. And so he would maintain your health. Now, as we know, members of HMOs, health maintenance organizations, get sick and die just like people who are not members of HMOs. So the premise for an HMO is faulty. But the the process lives on because insurance companies have figured out how to use the HMO concept to create these Medicare advantage or disadvantage plans and milk government money like nobody's business. But I, my, <laughs> I digress here because I wanted to talk about in Oklahoma, this uh, Integris medical group is now back in the fold for a while. So people with uh, Medicare Advantage from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Oklahoma can relax. Now, the other thing about it is it says here that all of the Integris doctors uh, are going to be joining the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Oklahoma's value-based care program. Now, that's an interesting thing that may or may not affect the treatment that you get, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's described here as an innovative healthcare delivery and payment model that focuses on improving patient outcomes. And, uh, oh, and the new agreement also adds Arcadia Trails, a residential treatment center, to most of our networks. The addition of Arcadia Trails supports Blue Cross Blue Shields Oklahoma, of Oklahoma's commitment to mental health and addiction recovery. But the value-based uh, care is what I was most uh, intrigued by when I first saw this article. And then I saw another article about a uh, an upheaval, some turmoil in a Medicare Advantage network. Uh, there's an outfit in Texas called Baylor, Scott, and White, and they have joined the uh, Texas Blue Cross Blue Shield Medicare Advantage plans. They've joined the HMO, the PPO, and the Blue Cross Medicare Advantage Dual Care HMO. Uh, that's a that's a plan for poor people that are uh, both on uh, Medicare and Medicaid at the same time. Those are called dual uh, eligibles. So anyway, they've got this new chain of doctors and hospitals: Baylor, Scott, and White. And uh, they replaced the chain that I told you about a few weeks ago that was leaving the Blue Cross Medicare Advantage in uh, Texas. So there is going to be hope for the future to have enough doctors to take care of all the people they have on their Medicare Advantage plans. And then at the bottom of this announcement, it says our commitment to value-based care. Additionally, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas and uh, this uh, Baylor, Scott, and White have a value-based agreement with a focus on primary care physicians. It says, with value-based care, physicians are reimbursed based on quality rather than volume. The goal is to support patients at their highest level of wellness rather than to wait to provide care until they get sick, which is often more complex and expensive. 
In value-based care arrangements, physicians contract with payers such as Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial insurance companies to care for a defined set of patients. Physicians can earn financial rewards by meeting the specific performance and quality measures tied to better long-term outcomes for patients. These measures may include the delivery of routine and preventive care services, chronic disease management services. And so um, this uh, Baylor Scott and White has nearly 400 doctors, I believe, joining. It says HTPN PCPs. So HTPN primary care physicians joining the Medicare Advantage networks. And they will participate in this value-based care model. So that got me thinking, what are they doing now? Why are they going to start screwing around with the way Medicare is operated? And they've already started screwing around with these uh, Medicare Advantage plans that promise a lot more than they ever intended to deliver. But I looked up value-based care, and I have a multi-page, very dull and boring article about value-based care. If anybody ever wanted to know what value-based care is all about, then I have an article that they can choke on. Uh, but just to start out with, it's got very highfalutin-sounding goals. It's emerged as an alternative potential replacement for fee-for-service reimbursement based on quality rather than quantity. All right, this is what they said about HMOs when they were brand new, and they haven't really done anything but remove freedom of choice from the medical delivery uh, uh, arena. So in this particular article, it says value-based care is a form of reimbursement that ties payments for care delivery to the quality of care provided, and it rewards providers for both efficiency and effectiveness. This form of reimbursement has emerged as an alternative and a potential replacement for fee-for-service reimbursement, which pays providers uh, retrospectively. I don't know what that means. Uh, for services delivered based on bill charges or annual fee schedules. In order to transform how healthcare providers are reimbursed for services rendered, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the uh, government department that's too stupid to be able to spell its own acronym properly, has itself introduced an array of value-based care models, such as the Medicare Shared Savings Program the Next Generation ACO model, and Pioneer Accountable Care Organization model. Private payers have, in turn, adopted similar models of accountability, value-based care. So what the traditional fee-for-service reimbursement model promoted, uh, the quantity of service, they say, federal officials have proposed several reimbursement programs that reward health care providers for the quality of care. That sounds delightful if it were you know, possible to do that. But I don't know how they can do that because the the measurement of quality of care seems rather nebulous and, and um, individually based. In other words, I might have uh, a different outcome or a different opinion of the quality of care I received in an identical setting than somebody else might. And so anyway, uh, it went on to say, and I wanted to quote a couple of things from this article, but basically the bottom line on this article was, was interesting. 
it uh, after four or five pages of description of this value-based care and how innovative it is and how much money it's going to save, they say it's going to save billions of dollars. Uh, I was uh, basically boiled this whole article down to two statements. One statement buried in the text of this article says, in reality, value-based care is not an option for most healthcare providers. Well, what are we talking about it so much for? So if it's not a, a an option for most health healthcare providers, why is it not an option? Is it too? Uh, is are they shooting too high? Are they unable to actually deliver what they're promising to deliver? And then the other statement that I noticed it said eventually CMS that's uh, the agency that oversees Medicare. CMS aims to tie all Medicare payments to value based care models. So which is it? Is it not an option for healthcare providers, or will CMS force healthcare providers to use that model or else not get paid for their services? I don't know which is uh, going to win out, but it seems like the kind of thing that that should be examined by people who are concerned about the quality of their Medicare coverage. And then I'm going to refer to one last article that I <laughs> ran across very recently. It says, Montana backs away from innovative hospital payment model. Other states are watching. Montana is signaling it might step away from an innovative way of setting prices. It's a public, this is for their the state of Montana employees, public health plan. Uh, they, they use this value-based payment plan, and apparently they're considering abandoning it or changing it, or not using it the way it was in, in uh, originally planned. So uh, I'm seeing a lot of confusion here, and I think I'm sensing some failure that this value-based plan that the Blues of Texas and Oklahoma were touting uh, is really not going to be something that anybody is going to like. And I'm glad that they're catching it early if it's not going to work. So that's, uh, you know, keep your eyes open for any value-based treatment information, Randy, because uh, they could sneak it in on us and it might not work as well as they're promising it will. Well, what are they going to call it? Because you are the expert. I'll have to be, you know, the non-expert, but what will I look for? Well, they had all those names. Uh, the value-based care had like four different names that they gave them, and I bet they'll come up with new ones. So we'll just have to assume that they're going to have names that we're not familiar with. We're going to have to read between the lines if they say we're going to mm -hmm. a, we're going to a, a method of payment of doctors. Then my concern is, will the doctors be as highly motivated as they are now to perform their services in an effective manner? Because doctors do this not because they love to treat people, they do it to get paid and they do it to get paid better than most people do. That's why doctors earn more money than most people. So we want them to be properly motivated. And if we're going to mess around with their reimbursement or their, their income generation, I think that's dangerous ground to tread on unless it's proven to work in other non-life-threatening uh, environments. Yeah, that's a bad idea. A really bad idea. Well, you know, the the crickets have chirped. Oh, boy. Well, at least we're better than we usually are. Often we're 10 minutes or more after the crickets have chirped. In this case, we're pretty close to that, that chirping. Are. 
So you uh, all, you almost ended it right on right on the chirp. Yeah, I couldn't stop myself though, could I? <laughs> I had to keep the echo. <laughs> well, what why don't you uh, guide us through the uh, the portals out to the outer world again? Okay, well I have one I have one interesting stump the insurance expert. Question. Already stump me, stump me. Okay, so you know some of you in the audience may have the knowledge to answer this question and Doug probably does because he knows a lot of stuff. But in today on today, today on the date of 1947 on today's date, what happened? In well, I'll give I'll give you a little bit more information. What happened in the entertainment world? Okay, well, I'm glad you clarified that because I was guessing that my mother had a, a pediatrician, a, a pediatrician obstetrician appointment because I, she was pregnant with me you know, on this date in 1947, and uh, she probably had a doctor's appointment as she lugged me around Oklahoma City uh, on her way to the the delivery. <laughs> but in 1947, in the at the end of October, uh, in the in the entertainment world, I'm guessing that somebody was born. Is, am I close? Well, to no. no, somebody somebody died. No. Did somebody die? No, 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 no. no. It was. Uh, it it like, was in. It was involving one of the Marx brothers. I feel like Karnak. Uh, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a card held up to my. Uh, my turban, uh, one of the Marx brothers. Well, okay, didn't wasn't a birth, wasn't a death. Uh, he talked for the first time. It was uh, Harpo. It was Groucho. Oh, and okay. and his radio show called "You Bet Your Life." This uh-huh. was the first broadcast of that radio show on ABC Radio on this date in 1947. You know something? We don't think about how many TV shows from the 50s started as radio shows. Yeah. And then morphed into television shows. Uh, There were a lot of things like um, Sergeant Preston of the Yukon and the Lone Mm -hmm. Ranger. And there were a lot of shows that started out as radio serials and radio entertainment. And his was a quiz show, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and you know something as I I love Groucho when he was uh his um when he was in all there, you know, he got kind of senile as he got older <clears throat> and some very nice looking lady moved in, swooped in to take him over and I can't remember her name, but she had her own set of problems. So for a few years she managed to milk Groucho's fans for a bunch of money for autographs and, you know, keepsakes and things like that. And she gradually got to become a uh, guru, not a guru, an evil, what do you call an evil guru? But she, she took over his daily activities and then she went nuts and she wound up committing suicide. So I, you know, not good. People can Google Groucho Marx and then examine the lifestyle that he had at the end of his life. And you'll find this woman that was a big, big part of the last few years of his life. And she, now, would you evil, like, would, oh, go ahead. Sven Gulli. Sven, she was a Sven Gulli. There you go. I've heard of that term. I wouldn't have thought of it, but yeah, I do know that. So anyway, I have a question for you. Would you like to go for the bonus question? I sure would. Or, or would you like to just move on? and cancel our uh, our subscription for today on the podcast and use up our time another day. No, I think I should go for the bonus question now because I need a successful 
conclusion. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. This is relatively easy. So, of the Marx Brothers, you know, one was Groucho. Mm-hmm. Name two of the other Marx Brothers. There were many more, but name two of them. Harpo, Chico, because they they I always called him Chico, but then people that knew them called him Chico, and um, Zeppo, and yeah. Gummo. Way so to go! You got them all. Oh, did I? Okay, there are none other hanging out there that I. No, I don't. I think that's it. The one that most people miss is Gummo. Ah, uh, yes. I think he didn't really want to be in the act, but they kind of forced him to when somebody else was sick. And uh, yeah. they, they said, look, you, you join us for a while. It's a family business. You got to hold up your end of the family participation. But I think he quit as soon as he could. So he wasn't around that much. No, no. I Until I started doing some of this, you know, oddball research, I didn't even realize Gummo existed. But I certainly do know know that now. And the other thing I was going to say is we probably ought to go ahead and, you know, drive this bus right on out to the parking lot. Yeah, we are out. We are out of time. But there's a couple, three things that uh, I always do at the end of the each episode. And one is right. Doug, he gets really disappointed, really disappointed when he doesn't get any mail. So DBJ at MLMMailbag.com. Check out the website, MedicareForTheLazyMan.com. We talked about, I think we talked about the books. We talked about the audios. I we talked, talked about the about, books at the beginning, Yeah, but yeah, I haven't yeah. talked about, remember, your lovely staff has demanded that we uh, make a request. Yeah, I would very much appreciate if you would give us, what is it? They, uh, go, we're going for- rate, we're, We need a rating. We need and a rating a, and a review if you feel like a little short yeah, written abs- review. Absolutely, we would certainly appreciate that. Depending on what platform you know you're see- you're seeing us on, it's uh, it's a called a different thing. But a rating, a review, a thumbs up, you know, a subscription, do something along those lines. We would certainly appreciate it. Uh, but we right now today we need to thank you all for joining us. We know that you could have been a hundred different places and you weren't. You are here with us listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, sponsored by Doug Jones, <laughs> and he is an insurance expert, expert originally from Oklahoma. But today and today only and for the foreseeable future, he is living in Cave Creek, Arizona, up in the high mountain altitudes behind the city in his fortress of solitude making sure the city is well night and day with a set of binoculars he bought from the army supply. Bye-bye.